Well, good morning, City Hill. Yes, it's summer is coming to an end. Quiet me, yes. I shouldn't tell the pastor to be quiet. In this. Um, doing some work out front, I saw one of the trees was changing colors. And as much as I love fall, I was like, stop that. Just wait. It's, uh, summer's been wonderful. And this is the uh, last message of the summer, believe it or not. And we're wrapping up our summer discipleship messages on what makes a disciple. And so how are the disciples of Jesus Christ doing this morning? How you doing? Doing all right? I, uh, are you fighting the good fight of faith? That as the attack is coming, as the thing we are at war, there are things that are coming against us, whether we realize it or not. We learn to fight using the word of God battling him with the word, not just a steadfast spirit, but also fighting him with the power of the word of God. We're using our resources, our homes, our cars, our finances, our time, because we're stewards of everything God's given us as a disciple, right? We're just stewards. We're looking outward. We're not so consumed with the things that challenge us, but we're looking outward. We're looking at our neighbors, but we're also looking at people all around the world because as disciples, we don't just look inward. We don't just care about what's going on inside, which is extremely important, but then we take that and we're looking outward to make a difference in the world around us. And in all of that, we're being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, probably of the summer messages, the one that God has just been working in me is to be led by the Spirit. To hear that word and have the guts to act on it. I don't know about you, but it's tough to, for me. Because you always have the question, what if it's just me? What if I'm wrong? What if I step out and look stupid? But I think there's worse things in the world than looking foolish. In fact, I found sometimes that we look foolish, but then you find out later, ah, oh, well, actually you were right there. Just took a while for the word to come back and makes sense. People who are obedient to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And then people who are saying, I'm not going to get picked off, remember? We're not going to get picked off. We're going to stand strong. We're going to stand strong even though people around us may be getting picked off. We're saying, in Jesus' name, I'm going to finish the race strong. And I, I like to say, you know, even if you get knocked over sometimes we get back up Amen. and really one of the differences between true disciples and others are they, they get back up it's not that we don't hit any valleys it's not that we don't hit challenges or fall off the path now and then the goal is stay strong all the way through day by day hour by hour but when we get knocked over in Jesus' name, we get back up. The righteous, it says, though the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. So that's a righteous man, but he gets back up. We don't stay down. We've heard recently of some of the men that, men of God, leaders that have been known to have fallen, and I say, I pray they get back up. I pray they get back up and get back on their walk and their their pathway with Christ, that this is not a new direction in life for them, but they get back up 
and they come back to their walk with Christ because that's what really matters. It's to continue to get back up and to finish this race strong. Let's pray as we get going this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would form us into your disciples. That, God, where we fall short, that you'd speak to us. Where we've fallen off the path, that you'd give us the courage and maybe even some brothers or sisters that would come along and take our hand and pull us back up, not let us go, God. Father, help us to be your family, your community, that doesn't just do it alone, but that we as a team, as your community, we stand with each other, we help each other. We reach out to each other, God, and we walk and press on as your disciples. Be with us this morning as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open the word this morning to John 20, verses 19 through 22. John chapter 20. I want to read to you, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I've really enjoyed this passage this week. I want you to imagine with me what really was going on here. Jesus had been murdered by the Jews through crucifixion. They had hated him. He was a rule breaker. He didn't fit the mold. He messed up. He did horrible things like healing people on the Sabbath. He'd broken the rules. He could not be of God because God had these rules and this didn't fit, so therefore he was out. He threatened their way of life. He talked about the holy temple of tearing it down and rebuilding it. This man named Jesus had to be stopped. So they killed him in a horrible way through crucifixion. Because also this man claimed to be God. And that was blasphemy. He had to be stopped. So Jesus had died. And the next logical step would be to annihilate his followers. There was a band of followers. They called themselves disciples of Christ. And to really knock this down, to really end this threat to the Jewish way of life, they had to kill or annihilate or at least imprison these disciples. And these disciples were really scared. I can't imagine what it would have been like that people hunting you, people looking for you, people wanting to harm you, the sense of powerlessness, the sense of, of fright. Where could they hide? Where would they go? What would happen to their jobs or their homes or their children? They were terrified. And then, to add to the chaos, there were these two women that wouldn't listen to any counsel, and they went to anoint the body of Christ with all these spices. They were going to give him the honor that he deserved, and they went there, and they came back talking about two angels 
And one of them said they even talked to Jesus, that he'd risen from the dead. I mean, these crazy women, right? What in the world was going on? And so the disciples did what probably you and I would do. They huddled together. They locked the doors. They closed the curtains. They were terrified for their lives. I'm sure that door was double locked with a chair in front of it. They were terrified. And suddenly, Jesus appeared. No door opens. He comes through a wall. He comes through a locked door. And this guy who we think is dead, all of a sudden is standing there in front of us, no way to get in the room, and guess what? They were more afraid. What would you be like there? I think I'd be pretty scared. I mean, something, the world is upside down, and our lives are on the line, and here's Jesus, or something that looks like Jesus, standing in front of them, and what does he say? Peace be with you. What he's saying is, hey guys, chill out. Relax. It's really me. Don't, we're friends, right? It's me. It's Jesus. I'm here. Just peace. Like, don't be afraid, guys. Relax. It's me. And I can see these disciples going, you know, they weren't really thrilled to see him initially. But then, I'm sure probably Peter, because Peter was the most impetuous of all of them, Peter goes up, I mean, it doesn't say this, but this is my mind. Peter, you know, or one of them goes up and they actually touch him and they go, it's him. And the disciples begin to gather around Jesus and they, they, maybe they hold his hand or they touch his wound and some of them are hugging and they're laughing and I imagine they're all talking at the same time. And he says to them again, peace be with you. Kind of like, okay, calm down, guys. We're here together. And they begin to realize this was not a hallucination. This wasn't a spirit that was just floating in there, although he somehow came through a wall. This wasn't a ghost. Jesus had really risen from the dead. He appeared to them, and he was there with them. I can imagine a lot of laughter and a lot of just noise going on inside this room. And then Jesus says something. What would be the next line that Jesus would say? Lots of things he could have said. Tell him where he's been, what happened when he went down to hell and took the keys from the captives and all these things. Where have you been? What's been going on? But here's what Jesus says. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. I'll say that again. This is what he says. When it all comes down, his line to them is, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. See, Jesus had been sent by the Father. One of our favorite verses, of course, is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. I think we could easily change that that word to sent. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son into the world. Jesus was sent by the Father with a purpose. He was sent into the world to bring salvation. He was sent to show us the way to the Father, to die for our sins. Jesus was sent into the world. And they knew that. And he says to them, as the Father sent me, the same way that model that you've seen, 
So, uh, even so, I am sending you. What I want you to hear today is that a disciple is sent. Say that with me. A disciple is sent. I wonder if that so, even so, I am sending you. I have to wonder if there was a bit of a rebuke in that. I mean, here they are, huddled together, talking softly, hiding. He says, I'm sending you, which means, okay, enough of that. Get up, unlock the doors, get out into the streets, and go with the good news of the gospel. It may not have been a great thing for them to hear. It's like, well, you don't understand Jesus. They, they want to kill me out there. They're hunting for me. I don't want to be out there. There's dangers. But Jesus sent them out. And it made me ask myself this week, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? And I, I pose that question to you as well. What are you afraid of? What is it that holds us back from sharing the gospel with others? I think all of us have that at times. And I was trying to think, what is it that stops me from doing that sometimes? I think there's probably a sense of, I might be embarrassed. The person may not understand me. It's not very PC that people might think, oh, you religious people. There may be many reasons why I don't. Maybe a lack of love for the neighbors. What stops me? This is not to guilt you. It's to have you look in your heart and say, what stopped? The, the disciples had reasons not to go. But Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. I also notice in this sending, it's pretty undefined. There's a lot of questions I would have if I were in there like, uh, where am I going to get the money to do this? How am I going to live? Where am I going to go? What will I do when I get there? There's a whole lot of questions. And geographically, Jesus didn't answer very well, except at one point he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which pretty much means everywhere. I'm sending you everywhere with the good news. You know, when Janet and I decided to leave the States and become missionaries, that year would have been 1987. Wow. And church agreed, and there was, we felt the call of God. Hands laid on us. We were sent by the church for a purpose. We ended up Within a couple of years, we ended up in Dominican Republic looking for the challenge or what God had called us to that we found there were 9,000 villages with no churches. So our job was to see a church planted in all 9,000 villages. Kind of a big job, right, you know? Uh, and we knew there was no way in the world we could do that without the help of God, without God doing a miracle. We started doing church planting, conferences, whatever, but we kept the vision before us. We were called, we were sent, we had a purpose. We were missionaries. The word missionary itself means a sent one. 
You know, it's not just one who goes, it's one who is sent. And we appreciated the local church behind us. We were sent by the church to do a job for the Lord. But you see in chapter 20 of John that Jesus was sending his disciples into the world to go everywhere. And they didn't really get they weren't really being sent as we would look at it today as missionaries. They were just disciples going out with the gospel. They didn't get on an airplane. They didn't send out a monthly newsletter as far as I know. Well, Paul sent a few letters, I guess. Uh, they didn't uh, have a way to deposit the check in the bank account and they could how they would live. They were just sent to go. And I believe that we are called as Christians to go into every man's world with the gospel. And that we sometimes mix up that the, go, the ones who go are those missionaries. Or maybe the ones who are sent are the pastors. Those people in full-time ministry. But that's not what the scripture says. He took his disciples and he said, go into all the world. And I wonder about Peter. You know, the next chapter says Peter was out fishing. And I, I used to think of that as, well, he just didn't really get it, did he? God, Jesus called him to go preach the gospel and he went, I'm going fishing. But you never see Jesus rebuke him. You never go, why won't you do what I tell, told you to do? Jesus comes down by the beach, starts preparing breakfast. Maybe Peter was simply going into all the world, going into the fishing world with the gospel. You see, in time, he, it appears he gave up his preaching because there was too much to do, praise the Lord. But he took the gospel into all parts of the world, as did the disciples. They went. Now, one of the reasons the disciples went, you see a little bit later, most of them stayed in the Jerusalem area. That was their world. That was their families. That was where they had an income until persecution hit. And when persecution hit, they scattered all over the world. And I've wondered sometimes, what will it take for us to go with the gospel? Will it take persecution? Will it take hard times? I hope I'm not that hard-headed. I hope it doesn't take the Lord beating me up to, send, to get me somewhere. I'd far rather be one of those that is listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying his voice to go where he sends me. And this is not saying quit your jobs and go somewhere far away. It might be. I know of a number of people here I can see that have gone far internationally. Praise the Lord for them. But that's not the message this morning. The message is that God has sent you into your world as his disciples, as ambassadors with the good news. And what does that look like for you? Where is your world? Where is the world that God has given you? Your business world. Your working out in the, in the streets your medical world, your teaching world. What does that look like to be sent into that? Or do we think, well, I just 
make money so I can give my tithe at church so they can do the work of the kingdom. That's not what the scripture is talking about. The scripture says a disciple of Jesus Christ is sent into all the world. You know, sometimes I think of the disciple, even in these earlier teachings, that we've focused on inward qualities. That we need to have the life of Christ in us, and we do. And we need to show the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and we do. And all those are extremely important. But that's not the end of the story. It's not enough to be in yourself the person that God's called you to be and then hold it inside. The things that God has placed in us, we're called to share. And as we share, not only do we grow, but we also come to believe and better understand what we believe. God has sent us to use what he's given us to make a difference in the world. So the message is really fairly simple. That God has sent you into the spheres of the world that only you can reach. There are lots of areas in the world that your life touch and my life will never touch. And God's given you these networks, these networks, be it school, be it work, be it neighborhood. He's given you networks where you can make a difference where others can't. Are you willing to obey the Lord and be a light in those areas? To move past the fears that we, that we carry? I know, like, in my neighborhood, I felt the Lord tell me one time, just put a letter out to all the neighbors. We got a little neighborhood thing, and let them know there's a pastor in the neighborhood, and you're willing to come by and pray for him. And I thought, really? You know, I mean, these are neighbors who've grown up, and I thought, yeah, really? So I did. It was like Christmas time, and I just said, hey, um, there's a pastor in the neighborhood. And if you want someone, if you need someone to come by and pray or you have a need for something, I'd love to do that. The response was not overwhelming. There was a neighborhood picnic and they said, you're that guy that sent out that letter, aren't you? Okay, that, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Praise the Lord, bless you, brother, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, but I put it out there and just... Uh, Ended up doing two funerals for some neighbors. Two people passed away, elder people, and they called me to do the funerals. And, you know, we're building some bridges, stepping out. Some of it kind of awkward. Yeah, a little bit. You know, that's okay. Awkward's okay. Disobeying the Holy Spirit isn't okay. And I don't mean we got to be crazies. I don't mean we have to be those wild people who, but you know, when we talk about the crazies, honestly, I don't think that's our problem. I mean, I really don't see that many people preaching on the corners, offending people all day long. In fact, I rarely, if ever, see that. It's more our timidity that keeps us back from being open to minister and do and be those sent ones in the spheres of our life. And you may say, 
you may be hearing this kind of a bit challenging today and say, you know, um, that's too much for me. I am not capable. I really can't do that. And I say, praise the Lord, that's a great place to be. It's a great place to be because it's very, very important to realize our need for the Holy Spirit. And we go back to the scripture in John 20. I think when he called them and said, get up, go out of these doors, I'm sending you to all nations, I think these disciples were like, really? Is that really the best idea? It doesn't say how they responded, but it does say that Jesus continued to say, peace be with you, which normally is because they were afraid. Paul, I just, if I may, I, Paul's taken some steps into uh, ministry I don't think you're really prepared to do everything that has to happen. <laughs> but I think you're great. But you need the Holy Spirit to do what God's calling you to do. And that's in a public ministry kind of way. But for us to be the light of Christ in the dark world, we need the Holy Spirit. For us to have any effect upon people around us with all our humanness, we need the Holy Spirit. And that's why I think the next sentence that Jesus said after he said, so I am sending you, he says, and when he had said this, so it ties these sentences together, when he'd said this, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, I mean, I, he breathed on them. Like, what, what, what's that about? Well, you know, the word spirit is also the word breath. And Jesus, of course, full of the Holy Spirit, just imparted that to them. He breathed on them, and then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And I don't think Jesus trusted these disciples. They had just all abandoned him. These were not the highest caliber of Christian leaders you'd ever want to find. But they knew him, and they loved him. But he, what he really trusted was the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit in them. And that's what I think Christ does when he looks at you, when he looks at me. I don't think it's that we've finally come to this level of enlightenment where we're really, really good. I think the, what we've really come to is, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit and I'll obey and I will follow in your power. Let me invite the worship team to come on up. I want to end with a time of ministry today. You know, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. And Jesus, knowing they needed the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we know that when someone opens their heart to Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit. And I want to start with that invitation today. I don't know everybody, and I don't know what's in all of your hearts. But I'd like you to join me just in a moment of prayer. And if there's anybody here this morning that says, I, it's time, I want to open my heart to Christ, but I don't have, I want the Spirit of God to dwell in me, but I've never taken that step. Just let's all close our eyes. 
just want to give you that opportunity. Is there anybody here this morning that has not taken that step of salvation? I want to give that opportunity. Just uh, look up at me. The meeting of our eyes can be our agreement. As you're beginning your life with Christ. And just so I don't miss you, if you can just signal me with your hand. Just to want to, is there anybody here that has not made that decision but would like to begin their life with Christ this morning? I want to give a moment for anybody the Lord speak into their heart. I want to move to the second part that the Lord's put on my heart this morning. That the scripture also speaks of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Which is where there is an anointing, an empowering, a a release of the spiritual gifts in your life. And in Ephesians 5.18, Paul commands us to be continually filled with the Spirit, which is like, Lord, fill me again. Anoint me again. Lord, I need more of your Spirit in my life. And maybe you've gone dry in your walk with the Lord. Maybe the walk that you've had with the Lord isn't where it used to be. Or you're asking God for a greater release into into the gifts of the Spirit. And if you're saying either one of these two that say, Lord, baptize me in your Holy Spirit this morning. Or you're just saying, Lord, just cover me anew. Lord, fill me anew with your Holy Spirit. I just want to ask you to open your hands before, before yourself. Just open your hands on your lap. I want to pray for you this morning. In fact, even better than me praying for you is for you to pray. The scripture says, ask. And the Father is faithful to give to us. And there's no mechanical way, there's no formula, is what I want to say, except asking, asking the Lord to baptize you in the Holy Spirit or to fill you with the Holy Spirit because, dear Jesus, we need your Spirit. Just as I pray, just pray, say, Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. I open my heart to you. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Bring your anointing, Lord Jesus. God, I am so aware of our inability to change hearts or to even obey you without the Holy Spirit. But Father, come Holy Spirit. Send your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Fill me anew. Just pray out. Just speak out right where you are. Say, Jesus, fill me. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, come by your power. Come in your strength. Give me the boldness that I lack. Not of my own strength, but by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. You said that you won't give us a stone or a serpent, but that you're faithful to give your children, to give us your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we ask you today, come, Holy Spirit, work in us, God. God, give us a boldness that we could, well, first of all, eyes open, Lord, that we would actually see these that we're blind to, that you just begin to show us friends who are hurting, people at work who may need a prayer, someone on an airplane that we may 
need to venture out and speak to or pray with God. Father, open our eyes, change our hearts. And we ask God you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come God, transform us, transform our church, God. We don't wanna play church, we don't wanna come and just fill seats, Lord. We want to be led, moved, filled, baptized with your Holy Spirit this morning. So come, Lord God. Come in the power and the strength. In the words of Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Dear Jesus, we acknowledge that we are weak without you, that we need you, we need your spirit to be your ambassadors, your disciples here in this earth. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your faithfulness to respond to our prayers. Father, I pray that as many people have even prayed that prayer this morning to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Father, you would release them in the gifts of the Spirit. Release them in the gift of prophecy. You release their heavenly prayer language, God. Father, that you would give them gifts of discernment, words of wisdom, that your Spirit would be alive in us and that the boldness of the Spirit would give us the freedom to step out and be used by you. God, there's no greater joy than when we see our lives being used by you. So Father, I send in Jesus' name, Lord, we accept your sending into the world. Father, change the way we think. Father, keep the purposes and the plans as much as any missionary Father, may you give us plans and purposes for how our lives are to make a difference, not just in the church, but, Father, in the world in which we live. Change the way we view that, God, by your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing a song and then we'll close.